Would you turn with me to Genesis 13, please? I had a learning experience not too long ago with some houses that are being built in my neighborhood here in town. As I was watching them do the work on the house, I got home one time to see a couple of workers working on the siding, and they were on some scaffolding, but I didn't see any kind of a ladder or any kind of a structure built up to get to the height where they were. Now, some of you who are familiar with construction will know what they were on most likely. There were two poles that were on the outsides of, their, their, of what they were standing on, and they were fixed to the house. And as I got home, I saw these two guys, two stories plus up there, working hard at putting the siding on the house. And then a storm came. It was a big storm coming from the west, and it was not only windy, but there was torrents of rain that were coming down. And I wanted to see how these guys were going to get down. So in the safety of my living room, I opened my blinds, and I watched these guys as they're getting dumped on with this rain. And very quickly, one of them goes to one end, and one of them goes to the other, and they start to work some kind of a crank over there on each side. And I noticed that they both had to do it at the same time, and eventually they lowered themselves to safety. If you know what the name of that kind of scaffolding is, I'd love for you to share that with me after the service. But what struck me was that probably they could not have got down near as fast if they would not have worked together. When we look at the life of Abraham, he is one who is known for his faith. He is one that we look at what he did, and sometimes we'll say, I don't know if I could ever do that. Step out in a way of faith like Abram did. Increasing our faith in this world is going to require us actively moving And we're going to have to actively move without having the answer in advance. I know that's a struggle for some of us. You need to be moving and you need to be intentional about welcoming this this in your life to grow your faith. You need to be moving forward without knowing all the answers. How many of you like to have all of the answers in advance before you get into something like me? Oh boy, yes. Yes. There's 20 steps. I want to know how all 20 are going to work. Who's in charge of this? What's the outcome here? What's the consequence if they're not all met? And I'm not telling us that we need to be, irrespon- that we need to be irresponsible. But I'm saying if you're going to pray for God to grow your faith, there are going to have to be times when you can't see the answer. There will have to be moments when you are saying, God, I know this is the direction that I'm supposed to be going. I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And Heavenly Father, I don't know how it's going to be accomplished tomorrow, but I'm trusting you. And that's so hard for so many of us. Never be afraid to trust the unknown future to a known God. If you know God, He already knows what's going to happen down there, and He loves you, and He's in control, and so we can have confidence in Him. What we'll see in God's Word today is that walking by faith is going to require us to allow 
even welcome into our lives the unseen as we move forward. Even in major life decisions, and great trust is required to grow our faith. But God doesn't force it on you. He's not going to tell you, okay, this month I'm going to stretch your faith and you have no choice. Now, He might put us in some places where we have no resources or no place to go. But I'm telling you, we should welcome that. You and I should welcome the opportunity for God to put us in a position where He has to show up. And that's what gives us so many amazing God stories. All that to take us to Genesis chapter 13. If you're not already there, it's, uh, there's a pew Bible there in front of you. If you need one, it's page number 12. We've already covered the first half of this chapter where we saw Abraham uh, being called by God. And it was a unique call. Do you remember the faith that was required when God called Abram? He said, I want you to pick up and I want you to go and I'll tell you where you're going to go after you get going. How well would we do on that? I'm going to tell you in a little while about a friend of mine who had a similar situation. He went and he left and he took his nephew Lot with him and he acquired great wealth. We've talked about his experiences down in Egypt where Lot messed up and where Lot, I believe, learned. Oh, I mean Abram, Abram. And Abraham is famous for his faith, but he's also famous for teaching us several other lessons. And so today, I want for you to to peek in with me into Abram's life and see some of these lessons. The first thing that I love about Abram that we find today in our text is that Abram was a peacekeeper. Does anybody here know someone who is especially good at keeping the peace? Sometimes there will be certain individuals in the family, and you'll know, oh, that individual, they're the one. They're always trying to to, uh, head off the argument or to change the subject trying to keep the peace. Abram was a peacekeeper. Look in verse number 8 when we have this conflict going on between Abram's people and Lot's people. It says in verse 8, Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen. For we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. So we see what's happening here. There's a contention between the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abram. They had grown in size, and they don't have enough water. They don't have enough grass to feed all the livestock. And Abram and Lot are doing okay right now, but the people that work for them, the bosses and all the workers, they're having contention. And Abram is going to make sure that it does not creep into the family. I love this about him, that he is so intentional about saying, I know there's something going on, it will not creep in between you and me. And so Abram gives Lot this opportunity to choose. We need to understand that Abram had every right to take first choice. There's no doubt there. As we look at this wonderful man who walked by faith, Lot had only gotten wealthy because of Abram and being able to tag along with him. And so Lot had every right, and yet, or or Abram had every right, but he gives Lot the first choice. And right here we learn this first lesson. This requires trust. 
Everything in you and in me is going to want to take the most obvious good thing right away. And if we have right to it, nobody can argue with us. And Abram trusts in God by allowing Lot to choose. And he didn't know what Lot was going to choose. Maybe he could guess. But he is going to trust the Lord that whatever is left, that's what God wants him to have. And increasing your faith is going to mean that you trust God when you cannot see tomorrow. And I know that's uncomfortable. I know we like to put our faith in things that we can handle and things that we can control. Psalm number 20 and verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And so what Abram is doing is he's demonstrating faith. And he's proving a point that would be taught in a famous sermon thousands of years later. Jesus Christ is going to preach, and Christ is going to say, blessed are the peacemakers. You and I need to seek to be peacemakers. And some may be fooled into thinking that he made a wrong decision. He's not acting foolishly. He's acting in a way that's going to bring peace. And when tensions rise between individuals, oftentimes that tension, imagine a balloon, a balloon being blown up. Have you ever been blowing up a balloon and you're getting towards the end and you know it's about full? And that little bit of drama that it might explode right in your face. A balloon that's so full it couldn't take any more air in it. The tension is like that sometimes. And when one person, just one, acts selflessly, it relieves that tension. It allows the whole situation just to be looked at in a a more generous way and in a way that's going to help everyone. Hold on a second. You can't tell me that we can act that way in this present world. Aren't we aware of what goes on around us in this world? Some of you are in the business world. Some of you have uh, owned businesses. We know it's a cutthroat world out there. You've got to do whatever you can to get ahead, and it doesn't matter who's left in the dust. Have you heard this expression? Nice guys finish what? Last is the expression. Some individuals, unfortunately, think that if you want to get ahead, you've got to step on some toes. But when we are trusting God and doing right, it is not true that nice guys finish last. In fact, next we see that God is very, very clear. He's going to be very, very clear in how he blesses this action of Abram. The next thing that I see that you and I can learn from his life, not only is he a peacemaker, but you and I need to consider wisely the choices before us. Take a look, not too quickly, Not in haste, but take your time. Pray. Trust the Lord to lead you. Let's pick it up in verse number 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, And Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot settled among the cities of the valley. 
and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And so I think it's fair to say from this account that the wickedness of Sodom was not a secret. It wasn't some walled place and nobody knew what was going on over there. Their wickedness was great and it was known. And so it forces us to ask this question about Lot when he has a choice before him. Did Lot consider all of the pros and the cons? Did he genuinely take everything into account? Now, did he make a good decision when it comes to his wealth? Remember, someone's wealth was measured by the amount of livestock they had. So if he takes this well-watered valley, is that going to be good for the livestock? Yes or no? Yeah. Is that going to be good for his people to grow? Is that going to be good for his pocketbook? Absolutely. But what about the most important resource that Lot has? His family. When we look at Lot and we look at what he is entrusted with, he makes this decision, and I think that he made it too hastily and did not consider his family. Most of his family will not make it out of that city alive. And his wife will make it just outside the walls, but her heart is so much leaning towards that city and all that's in it that she turns around and she did not make it very far either. When we face choices, we must keep the most important priorities in mind. When we face choices considering our family, and things change one generation to the next, I've fallen into that group of parents who say, my kid will never do this when I see a kid acting up in the store. My kid will never throw a fit in the candy aisle. And I know things change, but we need to very much so understand as influencers, whether you're parents or grandparents, God has put you in that place so that you can make a difference in their lives. And we need to understand that when these ones are growing up, they need someone to watch out for them It is so much better to build strong children than to spend years trying to repair broken adults. Our children need us to love God and to model that and to put the right boundaries around them. Lot's residence became Sodom, and that wickedness would so much dominate even his own life. He was righteous. The Bible calls him righteous Lot, but very much so. He he did not have good discernment, and we'll see that later on as we look into our study when we're with Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Just because a door is open does not mean that we should go through it. And I can't help but wonder, so these are things that we don't see in black and white in the Bible, but what if Lot would have chose Canaan and Abram would have went down to the well-watered plain? That contained the city of Sodom. What would have happened then? Well, we we can't know for sure. But what we learn of the character of Abram is that if he would have gotten that part that was different than Lot chose, likely he would have kept his family away from that. And that's what we do. When it comes to sin, you and I, we're not sinning, but we get close to it. 
And then we get a little bit closer. And we're not quite doing it, haven't committed any sin yet. And we get closer. Until finally one day we just kind of stick our foot in it. And we do not realize the danger that is there. And the devil wants to get us where we are no longer offended by that sin. And this happened in Lot's life. And he considered his job and he considered his wealth, but he did not consider the most important things in his life. And it's such a shame that we see this going on. And we'll look more into that later on. Do not make decisions, important decisions hastily. When we study the scriptures, we don't find people we find a lot of bad decisions that are being made on the spot. Pay attention to that when you're reading through your Bible. When you're going through some kind of a narrative, a story, and someone makes a decision quickly, look how often it goes wrong. I looked at the life of Jesus Christ. Would you like to know how many times Jesus Christ told someone around him to go and do something quickly? I have found one occasion when Jesus did it. Would you like to know what it is? It was when he told Judas Iscariot when he was going to betray him, what thou doest, do it quickly. Consider wisely the choices that are before you. We walk by faith, but God is clearly going to give us a wonderful discernment, Lord willing, as we have decisions that are before us. And then the last lesson that we learn from Abram here, is to expect assurances along the way. On the path of faith, when you're asking God to stretch you in your faith, it's not completely blind. God will give you assurances. And here we see that God reaffirms that covenant that He's already made. Look at verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, After Lot separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring, how long? Forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. And so Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. We need to ask ourselves the question, when Abram was was faced with this right away and he gave Lot the choice, who did Abram really defer to? Did Abram defer to Lot or did Abram defer to God? Very much so. We believe that he deferred to God here. When we trust the Lord, our decisions will always include the better portion. As you trust God, even if everybody on the outside says, well, that was a foolish decision, as you trust God, even the decisions that confuse the world, God will give us the better portion. Now, I want to take just a moment and look at the timing of this. The timing in in this wonderful blessing from God. Because once it happens, once Abram gives Lot the choice. Abram gives Lot a choice. 
Lot makes that choice. If you will, Abram loosens his grip a little bit. You choose and I'll go the other way, he says. And it's after Lot makes his choice and after Lot leaves that God speaks to Abraham this wonderful covenant. But it's a little bit different. If you've read before what the covenant was, and we referenced it, I think, in the beginning of our time, God says to Abram, I want you to leave the place where you're at. I'm going to give you something incredible. Just go and I'll show it to you. That was the promise in chapter 12. Now in chapter 13, it's different. He is going to give him a land. He's going to give him people. And that land will be theirs forever, including today, including tomorrow. But it's different. Because before he said, I want you just to go and I'll show you what I'm going to give you. Trust me. How is it different now? Did you catch it? Every place that you look... Every place you can see, everywhere your foot touches, that's going to be yours. Look to the south, everywhere you can see is yours. Look to the west, everywhere is yours. To the north, it's all yours and your family. To the east, it's yours and your family. Place your foot there and this will be yours. It's a little bit different. God gives us assurances along the way. And sometimes for you and I, that's just assurances that He shows up when we had no idea what the answer would be. When God steps in, I was just talking yesterday with one of our church leaders about some things coming up, and I said, how many unknowns do we have in this? And they said, about 20, I think. And I said, what a great opportunity for our God to show up. And as much as it is within us that wants to have every answer to every question, we need to be intentional about giving God room to bless, to show up. Yes, He'll bless our good works. He'll bless our good stewardship, our good decision-making. But can I challenge you with this today? Pray for God to stretch your faith. Don't be afraid of that. God wants you to have a strong faith. Pray for God to stretch your faith and then be prepared to be intentional about not knowing some of the answers. It was impossible for Abraham to see these details in advance and it's going to be impossible for you to have all the answers in advance if God is going to stretch your faith. Well, the applications are clear for us. I want to challenge us to be peacemakers. Choose to make peace in the face of chaos. And for most of us, that is not our first reaction. Our first reaction is selfish. Maybe it's fight. Maybe it's flight. Choose to be a peacemaker. And I think this comes easier as we're developing character, as we're developing patience and joy and long-suffering as we realize those people maybe had a very bad day or have had a very hard life. Choose to make peace in the face of chaos. And also practice. Here's that picture we started with. They, gotta go, they, gotta, they have to take place at the same time. Practice increasing your faith and trusting God simultaneously. We have to work together. Can I put you on that scaffolding when the storm's coming in? 
Is anybody here afraid of heights? I don't like heights. My foot shakes pretty bad when I get high on a ladder. These guys are two stories plus. They're on a little stand right there, and the storm comes in. The wind is coming, and the rain is going. You wouldn't want to be up there, would you? But even more so than that, maybe you would say, if I'm going to be up there, I want to pick who my partner is going to be on the other side. Who's on the other side? Because if you can't count on him to crank his end down while you're cranking your end down, you're going to have to stay in the storm. You're going to have to fight through it and stay there longer. When the storm comes in your life, you need to give God place to work. We do our part and we place ourselves where we genuinely will not stretch in our faith and move forward if God does not do His. I wish I could tell you that you're not going to face storms. I wish I could tell you that you're never going to be in a compromising place and then a trial's going to come. I even wish that I could tell you that when you get to your last bit of patience and ounce to hang on, I wish I could say everything will get easier after that. But I can't promise you that. We do have assurances like my grace is sufficient for you. We have examples like Abram in the Old Testament and how God was always there. But you and I need not fear walking by faith. God wants to stretch you and He wants to stretch our church family. And this is going to mean that we don't have all the answers. And it's going to mean that we sleep at peace in the evening when we don't have the answers because we know the one who knows the future and his plan is good and he loves you and he loves me. And we get to live in eternity in heaven, but on this side of heaven, he's working very hard to refine us as pure gold. Would you pray with me? Our gracious Father, we do not like the trials when we have conflicts come, when there is pain, when there is sickness, and when there is fighting, we do not like it. Heavenly Father, would you allow us to lean on you through those times? The old expression, hindsight is twenty twenty, is so often true, but just when we are in the midst of contention, it's difficult. And so would you allow us to foresee that there will be storms? And would you allow us to say, we will trust you and help us to trust you? And then, God, would you give us the faith to not have all the answers? Allow you to step in. It's not that we're not doing our part. We're not doing everything that we can. But we're just stepping out so far that you have to get involved. We praise you for doing that. I thank you for stories from all across this room and all across the world for how you got involved and did something that man cannot explain. And I thank you that you are good and I thank you that you're patient with us. Would you allow us to be growing? And would you allow us, Heavenly Father, to lean so much on you that we would say there's no doubt that that was God involved. I had my hands off of it. There was nothing more I could do And we thank you that you show up.
while we have our eyes closed, I want to ask the piano to play through and I'd like to give you a chance to pray today. It might be that you would be praying about being a peacemaker, maybe praying about wise choices that God would give, maybe praying about letting go. It's not being irresponsible. It's not uh, a, a Jesus take the wheel kind of a thing. We call it blind faith, but after we go through for a while, it's not so blind because we've seen God do it before. Would you have enough faith today to say, God, stretch my faith even more. Increase my trust for you. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, Jesus Christ came into this world to die on a cross for our sins. Each one of us is a sinner. And each one of us will spend eternity in one place or the other, either in heaven with God and our Savior or separated from Him in a place called hell. All we have to do to be in fellowship with God forever, beginning today, is ask Jesus to forgive our sins based on His work on the cross. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If the Lord is leading you to pray a prayer of salvation, we'd invite you to do so today.